Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's go to the Word of God this evening for a few moments. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn over to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to begin at verse 1. We are pumped about forward and make sure if you didn't check out the things downstairs in the transition, make sure after this service you go down and check out all that's going on with forward and talk to Pastor Jake and their team. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1, if you have it, Matthew um, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. If you have it, say, I'm there. Awesome, let's do it. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. There's Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of of Zebedee, and and John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Thomas, Matthew, (laughs) the tax collector, um, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, I think I skipped that last service. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter into a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely have you received, freely you give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in, in your money belts, nor bag, for, nor bag for your journey, nor, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Notice how Jesus said, when you go out, just go out and, and just in simplicity. Don't make this complicated. Don't make this hard. There's not a, you don't have to carry a briefcase. You don't have to have a, a certain type of attire on. He said, don't make this complicated. Don't worry about carrying a whole bunch of extra stuff. He said, the main thing you just need to focus on is know that I've empowered you. I've sent you. My hand is upon you. And you just go declaring the kingdom of God. That's the main thing you need to make sure that you're carrying, carrying the presence of God. And then he says, now whatever, now in verse 11, now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who it is who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out and when you go into a household greet it if the household is worthy let your peace come upon it but if it's not worthy let your peace return to you verse 14 and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city shake off the dust from your feet notice what he said and whoever not who will who will not receive you nor hear you or hear your words when you depart from the house, that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. And I'll stop reading there. <clears throat> I'm just curious before I get started and really di- dive into this story 
Um, I want to ask the question, have you, anyone in here, just curious, have you ever been into an argument with another person? <laughs> just, just, yeah, about eight of you. So, so everybody else has never argued. Um, so I'll change my sermon to the biggest liar in Orange County. Um, but um, how many have been in an argument? Seriously, maybe, maybe with a brother. People are like, hmm, I don't know what he's going to take me, what he's going to say. What about a sister or sibling argument with them? Oh, my man, all of a sudden, all kind of hands went up. That's like the common thing. Well, let me take it one more step. What about an argument with your spouse if you're married? If you're married? It looks like we have more brothers and sister arguments than we have anything. But, but, but one more time, if you've had an argument with your spouse and you're married, just a few, few of you, we'll have counseling um, sign-ups right outside. No, I'm just playing. But, but un unfortunately, I, I can't relate to any of you guys because my wife and I don't argue. And I've never had an argument with my wife, and she's never argued with me. How many of you believe that? And the reason why I say that, because, because we don't argue. I mean, honestly, we don't. But what we do have is heated fellowships. <laughs> and so that's what I, how I like to describe them as heated fellowships. And, you know, when we, we don't, when we do have them, last service I said, you know, when we often have heated fellowships, I was like, man, that didn't sound good because it made it sound like it was every day. But when we do have heated fellowships and we do have them, we have a real marriage, by the way, just want to let you know. I can't relate to people that don't ever have, you know, struggles in their marriage, but I don't know. Maybe it's just Shannon and I. But anyway, but when we do have these heated fellowships, we sometimes they can get really heated. Like, I mean, temperatures are just, you know, crazy. And um, yeah, it gets hot. It gets getting hot up in here, you know, just. And, and how many of you know that, that when that temperature rises, things can really begin to escalate. And, and if you're not careful, see, you know, sometimes you need to learn how to argue right you know, or, or fight good. If I could use that, I'm messing with people right now, but there comes to a point where you understand, I'll say, okay, this is about to get out of hand. So we need to chill out. You need to go to timeout, Shanna. And, um, and I'm going to go in here and chill. And, 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 and when the dust settle, when the dust settle, we'll be able to work all this out. How many of you know what I'm, you know, you've used that when the dust settle means when things kind of calm down and things kind of come back to a level that we can communicate and work this out, then we can talk. And we often would use that term and I've said it, I was, you know what, we just need to let the dust settle and then we can work this out. And when I use that terminology, letting the dust settle, what I'm saying is we need to just let things calm down and chill out and then we can talk about it. But I don't want to talk to you today about allowing to the dust to settle. I want to talk to you about don't let the dust settle. Because the word settle, if you look it up, it means to, to be fixed or to be firm or to rest upon or remain on a fixed point or a foundation. In other words, when something is settled, it's stuck. It remains in that particular place. So I want to talk to you today, not about letting the dust settle, but don't let the dust settle. What does that mean? Well, in this particular passage of scripture, we have Jesus here who has just commissioned the disciples to go out and do ministry, to go out and be bold witnesses and expand the kingdom of God. He gives them just simple instructions about how to go out and preach and teach. He said, don't make this complicated. Don't make this crazy. Don't make this weird or whatever. Just go out in simplest terms. 
But then he gets to this place that he begins to tell them that is something critical about them going from city to city or home to home or, or from village to village. He said, now there's going to come times that you're going to go in someone's house, you're going to go in someone's city, and they're not going to like what you have to say. They're not going to receive the words that you have for them. They're going to reject you. But don't even take that personal because they're really not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. When they reject my words, they're rejecting me. But he tells them something. He says, I have to teach you how you're going to be able to move once you've experienced rejection. Once you have been pushed away by people, I've got to teach you how to be able to move from one location and still advance and step into new areas and new territories, even when you've had that experience. And he said, what's critical, that when you've been rejected, when you've experienced being pushed away by people, when you've had that hardship of that struggle, it's critical that you learn how to shake the dust off your feet because if you don't learn how to shake the dust off of your feet or shake the dust off of your life where you are, it will hinder you from where I'm trying to take you or hinder you in the next season that I'm causing you to step in. Notice it said shake the dust off of your feet. I don't need dust on your feet so that it will hinder you to stepping into something new, something greater, and something more that I have for your life. And Jesus said, I want you to preach, I want you to teach, I want you to proclaim the goodness of God, but understand that I have to teach you that if you're going to continue to step into new territory, new cities, new homes, new villages, new levels in God, new areas of favor, new levels of greatness, you have to understand it's going to require you to shake some stuff off. Are you following me? You're going to have to shake the dust off. When you think about dust figuratively, the, um, the, the dictionary gave several phrases or definitions regarding the word dust. They used these phrases to give different definitions. One said that they dusted out of here, which means to depart. Another one said we dusted the other team, which means we defeated them. One said that the gang dusted the guy that ratted them out. Of course, that means to kill him. And then it says, you're nothing but dust, which means you're worthless or you have no value. One other common term we've often said is that joker bit the dust, which means he's dead. And remember in the 1980s for some of you, and I know a lot of our students are in this, in this service, so you may not know this or remember this, or you may have heard of it, but there was a... a um, a popular band called Queen in, in the 1980s who wrote a song called Another One Bites the Dust. And these phrases were coined around the term dust. But then when you look at it, that's figur figuratively, when you look at it biologically, did you know that one square inch of skin contains 19 million cells, 625 sweat glands, 75 hairs, 19 feet of blood vessels, 19,000 sensory cells, and 20 microscopic animals living on the surface of it? Yeah, your skin. The human skin is infested with little bitty microscopic mites. Yeah, your skin, not mine, yours. But check this out. Can you imagine that, that right now, while you're sitting there with your holy self, that you got bugs crawling on you? 
Doesn't it make you want to eat? You just, all of a sudden, you just start feeling something crawl on you. But it said that you're our skin. I don't care how much you wash. I don't care how much you scrub. If you walked out of the house this morning, you got bugs on you. I'm just playing, but check this out. It goes on to say this, that 75% of the dust that is in our house comes from the skin that we shed on a daily basis. That's nasty. The Bible talks about dust also. Remember in Genesis chapter 2, the scripture said that, that Adam was formed from the dust of the ground. The Bible also goes on and, and declare this in Psalms 103. It said this, that, that God knows our frame, that we are but dust. And then also Ecclesiastes declared that dust we came from, and when we die, dust shall we, we return. How many of you know that the scripture t uh, declares that? But what I want you to see here, and I want what, what, what you to grab here, is that when you talk about dust, notice the definitions that the dictionary gave. Dust was associated with more negatives than it was positive. It was associated with defeat. It was associated with death. It was associated with departing. It was associated with being devalued. It was associated with bugs of all things. And what you got to grab is just this little principle and this little thought that Jesus is giving here in this particular text. And he's saying that you have to understand that in life, when you go through things, there are some situations and circumstances that you can walk through or walk into in life that could cause dusty situations to come upon you. And you have to understand that when it happens and when life happens, that in order for you to continue to move forward and to step into the new season and place that God has for you, you have to learn to shake the dust off. Understand when you begin to look biologically again. There's several things that it talks about dust. Dust can be hazardous. Dust can be dangerous if it, a lot of it has accumulated. And two of the areas that dust affect us most, it, most it said, when it's accumulation, when there's a lot of it that has accumulated, number one, it says it causes irritation to the eyes. In other words, dust will cause your eyes to become irritated, naturally speaking. In other words, spiritually speaking, when I allow the dust of what used to be and the dust of the past and the dust of yesterday to settle on my life, it will affect the way that I see things. It will affect my vision. It will affect my vision for my life. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 7. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and fail to notice the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me get the speck of dust out of your eye, but yet you have this wooden plank in yours. He said, listen, here's the key to this verse. Remove the plank, watch this, that you might see clearly. Isn't that good? That you might see clearly. In other words, when I allow things to settle on my life, it affects the way that I see, number one, people. It affects the way that I see myself. I don't see people clearly. I don't see situations clearly. And the worst thing could happen is that when you allow the dust of your past and the dust of mistakes to remain settled on your life, it could hinder the way that you even see yourself. In other words, you don't see yourself as God 
God sees you. You only see you as an insecure person. You allow the dust of insecurity, the, the dust of, of a victim's mentality, the dust of low self-esteem, the dust of, 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 of I've never had anything. I've never grew up of anything. There were many, many examples in the Bible of great leaders, both men and women, who in order to step into what God had for them and the fullness of it, they had to shake the dust from their eyes so that they can see themselves as God seen them. Moses had to shake the dust of insecurity. He stood at a burning bush wanting to draw back because he had a stuttering problem. You think about Gideon, the Bible said. God saw him as a mighty man, but he saw himself as a weakling because he had the dust of where he came from on his life. But he had to shake himself from the dust of insecurity and the dust of being least likely. And God raised him up to be a great leader. Even when you come to Mary, Mary, when the, God, when the angel came to Mary, she said, blessed and highly favored are you. You will conceive a child supernaturally. You're going to give birth to the son of God. Mary even drew back a little girl. You don't understand. I'm just a little virgin girl. I'm just from a little village town. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows my parents. Nobody knows my address. How, how could this be? How could this be seeing? Notice the word she said, seeing I know not a man. I can't see myself doing this. I can't see myself stepping into this. But I love it because she got to the point when God, I love this because God said, I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. That's why it's important to always get in the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit because he is good at empowering us to remove the dust and shake the dust so we can see ourselves as God sees us. And when the Holy Spirit revealed it to Mary, she said, I don't understand it in my head. I can't see it with my eyes, but being unto me according to thy word, if you said I can do it, I can do it. I just want to declare to some people this evening, if you'll shake the dust, come on, off of your eyes that God can show you who you really are. Not only that, does it affect your eyes? The next thing it said, it causes you to sneeze and it causes you to cough. Notice sneezing and coughing come from the same place, your mouth. Understand when you allow dust to settle, it affects your mouth. And I want to say, I want to talk to, when we're talking about our mouth, when you allow the dust of the past to remain settled upon your life, your mouth can become negative. Your mouth can be a place of complaining. Your mouth can become very, very talking death and not life. The Bible said this, that we are snared by the words of our mouth. We're snared. In other words, entrapped. Our mouth will keep us in bondage if we're not careful. Our mouths will hinder us from stepping into what God has. If I don't see me ever doing anything, I, that, that can't be possible. Have you ever just, just dealt with people that just had a negative spirit? I mean, just a spirit of complaint. I call them yeah, but people. In other words, you can talk about how good something is, but they'll say, yeah, but you know what? That's a nice car. Yeah, but it could have better tires on it. That's a nice house. Yeah, but the yard could be bigger. You know what? That's a great church, a, a great church called Free Chapel. Yeah, but that music is loud. Yeah, but they do too much jumping and shouting. Yeah, but they just this, this, you know, just yeah, just negative. Can't see good in anything. Just negative all the time. But see, I want to challenge you on that. You got to shake the dust of negativity off of your life. Don't become a complaining person. Pastor Franklin calls them negaholics. I love that. 
Don't be a negaholic addicted to negativity. Because all that comes out of your mouth is negativity. Let me tell, let me show you something. The Bible said it was a negative mouth that kept the children of Israel out of Canaan. The Bible said because they murmured and they complained and they talked negative, God had Canaan, which represented a promised land, which represented a land flowing with milk and honey, which represented a land of abundance. It was going to be their next dimension that he was going to cause them to step in. But the Bible said they died in the wilderness and could not step into the more because they could not keep negativity off of their lips. It wasn't a matter of salvation. They were already out of Egypt. But watch this. They died died having not stepped in, stepped in to all that God has for them. I believe that's the worst death that you can die, that you can die knowing that there was more that God has for me. And I wonder on in this six o'clock service, is there anybody that will declare that, you know what, I'm not going to let the dust of negativity get a hold to me. I'm going to shake it off because I refuse to die without stepping in all that God has. Does anybody believe there's more for your life? Does anybody believe that that God can cause you to step into some new things, but you have to shake the dust of negativity off. It affects your eyes. It affects your mouth. And watch this. When you allow the dust to settle, dust is what feeds Satan. Satan feeds on dust. What do you mean by that? Remember in the book of Genesis, the curse of the serpent. The Bible said that you shall be cursed you would slide upon your belly, watch this, and you shall eat the dust of the ground. Satan feeds on dust. In other words, when I let the dust settle on my life, I give place to the enemy. When I allow the dust to settle, I give place to the devil. Notice the scripture said that our, our bodies or the form of man or the flesh of man was made from the dust of the earth. In other words, notice the, the, the connection, dust and flesh. And the enemy would love to keep us in the bondage of the dust of yesterday because not only does it feed him, it keeps us in the realm of the flesh. And as long as we allow the dust to settle, we stay in the realm of the flesh. In other words, if we're in the realm of the flesh, we can't fully operate in the spirit. And the flesh that we have now, the scripture said, is temporary. In other words, it keeps us in a temporary mindset that we can't focus on the eternal things and we remain on the playground of the enemy. But God is looking for people that will not give in. Come on. Is anybody hearing me? Come on to feeding the enemy by letting the dust remain, but will shake themselves from the dust. Understand that God sometimes will allow you to go through seasons of shaking to remove the dust. What are you talking about? I remember a few, few years ago, I, I think it was, don't know the exact time, but it was here, and we were preparing for a conference here. I think it was a Divine Women's Conference. And uh, we were cleaning up and we were working, getting everything nice and, and prep for the women. How I many you know that's good? You should do that. And, um, and uh, we were down and we were cleaning up the green room area. And, and Miss Sharice, Pastor Sharice was there and Kirby and I was there. And she said, you two come with me. And we said, yes, ma'am. Where are we going? And so we go into the, the, the green room area and there is a rug. And she said, I need you guys to take this rug out and I need you to go shake it. And I said, well, I'm like, well, what's wrong with it? 
And she goes, it's nasty. And I said, well, it looks clean. I said, why don't we just get the vacuum cleaner and vacuum it up? I'm like, that's the easiest thing instead of moving the rug. I mean, you know. And she said, no, we've done that. But she says, I know it looks clean. She said, but, but she said this. She goes, there's dust that's settled in the bottom. And she said, I know you can't see it, but just take it out there. You'll see. And I said, okay. So Kirby and I grabbed the rug, and we're walking outside. And a matter of fact, it was over here on the side. And we grabbed four corners of that rug. And I'm, I promise you, looking at this rug, it looked so fine. But we shook that thing one time, and I bit the dust. It was like, when I tell you so much stuff came out of that rug that was not apparent to the eye before it was shaken. As long as it just stayed idle and as long as it just stayed in its cool, calm and collected place, it became a bedrock for the settling of the dust of what used to be. But it was only when something grabbed a hold to it, a hold of it and started shaking it that that would settle down on the inside, begin to come up on the outside and it could experience true cleaning. See, the Bible said we have to be cleansed. Watch this from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit outside and inside and what I love about that is because it took somebody watch this somebody that was in a, a different level to see that it was more that had to be dealt with underneath than what normal people could see with the eye and that's how good your God is because he says I know you look good on the outside and I know you you're all nice and neat and you look good to everybody but down underneath there's some dust of anger there's some dust of discouragement there's some dust of frustration there's some dust of insecurity and I'm going to take you through a see, see some of you are walking through a season of shaking it's not Satan it's the goodness of God that says I'm not going to let you step into this because if I let you step in it with the dust it's going to take you out and take those others that are connected with you so right now I'm going to shake things up and get the dust out of your life so when I do open a door you're going to walk in there and you're going to walk in purity you're going to walk in righteousness and you're going to walk with a good spirit several things quickly that you got to understand sometimes God will send us through seasons of shaking but then sometimes we have to shake ourselves shake yourselves from the dust what kind of dust number one if you're taking notes I'm going to give you several real quickly Number one, you have to shake, and I've said it yourself, from the dust of the past. John 10.10 10 says, the thief come not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But understand what often hinders us and prevents us from stepping in or living the abundant life is the unfinished business of the past. You cannot walk backwards into your future. Do you hear me? You can't grab a hold to what's ahead of you by keep holding on to what's behind you. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching unto those things which are before. Notice, notice he said it's a simultaneous action. In order to me to grab, in order for me to grab a hold what's ahead of me, I gotta let go of what's behind me. See, that's how a four by one hundred track advances. That's how it keeps moving forward. It is it's, it's all about a release and it's all about a grab. But the person in front can advance to the next level until oh my God. 
God. There's a release and there's a grab a hold. And God is trying to advance us in the track of your journey, in the track of his destiny for your life. But you're going to have to let go in order to be able to grab a hold. I've said this before, but understand when you think about a car, a car is used to drive. A car is used to take you or get you to your destination. But there's two types of mirrors in the car. There's the windshield or two types of glass. There's the windshield and there's the rear view mirror. And notice that the rear view mirror is a whole lot smaller than the windshield. It's in it's, its own purpose. You know why? Because the windshield represents the view or how big of what's ahead of you and where you're going. But the rear view mirror is small because it was never meant to be your focus because in the rear view, all you do, do is look up and na- look up now and then. It's a reference point. But the windshield is wide open because where you're going is bigger than where you came from. And your past is only good to reference from. See, you learn from your past, but you don't live in your past. And you've got to dust the past off of your life so you can move forward. Understand the second thing quickly. You have to dust yourself or shake yourself from the dust of failure. Psalms 37 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Did you hear that? The steps of a good man. Notice that. God said, I've already got your steps ordered. I've already got it laid out of what I want you to step into. But notice what he said. He said, though he fall, he may fall down. He may fall down. He may fail. He said, but he shall not be utterly cast down. In other words, it is not for him to remain in that state. It says, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. In other words, even in my fall, God's hand is still on me. The Bible said underneath me is his everlasting arms. In other words, I don't care how low I fall. If underneath me is his everlasting arms, even at my lowest place, I'm still in his hands. At my lowest place, his arm is still wrapped around me to lift me up. Because let me tell you, it's one thing to have an act. There's one thing to have an act of failure, but it's another thing to have an attitude of failure. Because see, an attitude of failure is way more, is worse than an act of failure. Because when you accept an attitude of failure, you fall down and you stay down. But the Bible said the righteous man falleth down several times. But here's the key. He gets back up again. He rises up again. He gets back on his feet. Come on. There's all, all through life we hit bumps in the road. All through life we have mistakes and failures. But here's the thing about it. God God is not intimidated by our failures. Matter of fact, he put it like this. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. And he said, I prayed for you. Listen to what he says. I prayed for you that your faith fell not. He did not pray that Peter wouldn't fall. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. Because he said, I'm more concerned about your faith than I am your failure. I can deal with the failure, but what I want to know, if you fall down, do you still have the faith to know I can raise you up again? Do you still have the faith to know I can restore you again? Will you keep the faith? I don't need a whole lot of faith. I just need a little bitty faith. If you fall down and lift a finger, that's good enough for me to grab a hole and raise you back up. God is not, I want to tell somebody, you 
may have fallen down, but don't you lose the faith. Don't you lose the desire. You may be on your back, but if you lift your hand up, you'll open up your mouth. The Bible said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Failure is not final with God. Don't you dare make, make permanent what was only meant to be temporary. You got to dust it off. You got to dust off people's opinion. And you got to dust off the opinion of people and rejection. 2 Samuel 16, 13. The Bible said David and his men were walking along the road, minding their own business. And a man by the name of Shimei came cursing up a storm. You blankety blank, 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 blah, 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 blah. I mean, letting him have it. That's, a, that's, that's how it's translated in my Bible. But, but the Bible said not only was he cursing him, but the Bible said he was kicking dust on him. One translation said he was dusting him with dust. He was criticizing David. He was putting David down, talking him down. What kind of king are you? You don't know man of God. Look at you. Look what happened to Saul. Look what happened to the kingdom. All because of you, we're in this mess. All because of you, everything is torn down and tore up. Look at you. Look at you. You never were supposed to be king anyway. Where's your little sheep at? Why don't you go back to the fields where you belong? Just criticizing negative. You were never cut out to be king with your little ruddy self. And the Bible said David said not a word. Because you know what? Real maturity, mm -hmm. when you say for real, real, and, and when you're walking in real maturity, you don't, you don't have to give in to the, I love what pastor says, to the, to the ankle bites of lesser men. You don't have to be moved in the face of criticism because I'm going to tell you why. Because see, when you walk in a security and who you are and what God calls you to have called you to be, see, it's not what people believe about you. It's what you believe about yourself. Mm -hmm. And see, I don't care. Look, come on. Are you hearing me? It's not what they believe about you. It's not what they say about you. I want to know what do you believe about you and what are you saying about you? Because life is filled with criticism. Aristotle said, if you want to avoid criticism in life, here's how you do it. Don't do anything, don't be anything, and don't say anything. In other words, die. That's the only other reason I know that you won't be. But if you ever have something in your heart, if you have a desire to please God, if you have a desire to do more than just exist, but you have a passion to make a difference for the kingdom of God, I'm going to tell you, you can do a bunch of good things, but somebody's still going to have something to say. You can see souls saved, lives changed, have great ministry. We see it now. My God, look at social media. Look at Instagram. Everybody, crazy church going wild on the on Instagram some of the most play I, oh, I'm on my soapbox but anyway people negative and talking forget all of that mess see let me tell you something the Bible said that in Christ we are secure in other words when I'm in Christ watch this I'm in security see when you have a revelation of who I am in him I don't have to worry about insecurity because in Christ I'm in security 
Mm -hmm. When I'm in him, I know who I am. And there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do that can change that. And I'm here to declare to some people tonight, it's time for you to dust the opinion of folk off of your life. You've been held bondage to people's opinion too long. You've been held bondage to what people have been saying about you too young. Some of the people are your own family members. Some of the people are some of declare to be your so-called friends. But I'm here to tell you, if they're not saying what God is saying about you, come on, shake that dust off and stand up and be everything that God has called you to be. Rejection. You got to shake it off. I see my wife standing down here. Remember, she's going through grad school. One of the toughest times of her life. She's going through grad school and she's married to me. What a combination. <laughs> but I'll never forget that moment. She had to walk into a professor's office lacking one point from passing that would give her her degree in grad school. One point. Just one. And said, Mr. Professor, you know what? Hey, I, I don't know what happened, but I, I studied. I did all I know to do, but... but I just need one point. Is there anything? I'm, I'm, I'm one point away from my degree. I, I don't want this one point to be the reason why I can't step into the next thing that God has for me or to this career that I know that I'm called to. Is there anything that you could do? You know how professors are. His head's down the whole time he's talking, you know. <laughs> Probably looked up. And he looks at her and he said, well, first of all, you're probably the first person in your family that ever went to college, let alone grad school. I don't really think you're serious about this, if you want to know my opinion. And he said, you're probably just here doing this just to try to prove a point to your family. So you know what? No, I don't think you're worthy of it. I'm not giving you the point. And he didn't. One point, the difference between her and her degree. And in that moment, my wife had to make a decision. <laughs> a flesh decision or a spiritual decision. <laughs> How many know that's one of those moments that the spirit is willing, and the, but the flesh is weak? <laughs> she had to make a decision. Am I going to let the words that he spoke and the criticism that he gave and the things that he spoke? Am I going to allow my mind to agree with his negativity over my life and let the dust settle of his opinions on my life and keep me in this place that I can't move forward in God? Or am I going to stand up and declare I know whose I am. I know who I belong to. I know what God told me. I know what God showed me in a dream and a vision. I know what God spoke to me years ago that I would do and what I would accomplish and what I would have as a therapist, as a counselor. I know what God told me. And she had a choice in that moment to listen to what man said or to stand on what God said. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it was painful. Walked away with a tear out of her eye. 
But to make a long story short, that day came where she persevered, where she bounced back with soaring colors and grades. And here's the kicker. On that graduation day, praise God, I was there too. When she walked across that platform in that cap and gown, finer than a mug. I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. I had a flashback. Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know what just happened. Hit the dust off. But anyway. When they said they called her name, right here on the end was old Mr. Professor. And the last person that had to shake her hand and congratulate her for this great accomplishment was Mr. Negativity. But this is what I love. He criticized her in private. But he had to commend her in public. Good God Almighty. Congratulations, Miss Shanna Brown Ruff. Why am I telling you that? Because she had a choice to stay settled in the criticism of a man's opinion or where she would stand on what God had declared over her life and shake the dust off. Some of you need to shake the dust off a criticism that has held you captive and have told you what you cannot do and you cannot accomplish. And you need to declare, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One last thing. You got to learn to shake the dust of, of resentment and unforgiveness. Ephesians says this real quickly. The, this scripture right here, Ephesians says this. Listen to what it says. I got it. I think I got it. Yeah, here we go. No, I don't. Where is it? I want to read it to you because it's good. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Here it is. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Notice what it said. Even as God in Christ forgave you. The Bible says that unforgiveness will do three things. It will imprison you. It will hinder your prayers. You follow me? Hinder you. It will hinder your prayers. And listen, you can only receive forgiveness at the proportion that you're willing to forgive. That's Bible. God said, don't come praying in Mark 11. We like to declare that. Speak to the mountain. Be thou removed and cast in the sea. Whatever you pray when you ask, believe that you receive. And we stop there. The next scripture says, and when you are praying, Forgive others as the Father has forgiven you. Could it be that the answer of your prayer is locked up in unforgiveness? Because you've let the, the dust of hurt and pain settle on your life. And there's things that God so desires to release and so desires to let go and to bless you with. But, 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 but he honors his word. And, it, and, and I believe sometimes it breaks the heart of God because he said, if you just let that go, 
I got, I got so much in my hand I want to let go, but I can't let it go until you let that go. I know what it's like. I walked around with a cloud of dust, of unforgiveness on my life toward my father. And when we sang good, good father, every time I hear that song, it touches me deeply. Because I know what it's like to have that unforgiveness, that cloud hovering over my life of bitterness and resentment toward my father. And notice that when the cloud's out, you can't see the sun. Not the S-U-N, the S-O-N. When you allow dust to cloud your life, you can't see the sun. And the Bible said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But if I got bitterness in my heart, I can't see him like I need to see him. But I remember being in a service at Free Chapel Gainesville one Sunday. And when the presence of God and the power of God flooded that place. And I sit back in a pew. We had, still had pews in the North Campus. And the good, good father, with his love, with his presence, with his power, that came through the hand of conviction, reached down in the depths of my soul and touched that bitterness and touched that unforgiveness and touched that, that resentment in my heart. And I knew it was him. But what I knew he was saying, you got to let this go because I got a plan for your life. You got to let this go because I got a purpose for your life. You got to let this go because I'm calling you to step into things that are greater, that are mightier. But you got this that's holding you back. But if you let it go, I'm going to let you go. And I broke between, not even in the altar call. I, I, I couldn't make it to then. I literally laid Ashana between the pew and broke and wept and cried and said, God, forgive me. Because you know what? I've been religious. I've forgiven with my mouth, but I haven't forgiven with my heart. I went through the routine of just saying stuff, but deep down inside. But see, that's what a good, good father would do. And I'll never forget the words that he said. He said, I am not your daddy. And I knew what he meant. He was saying, Quit looking at me through the eyes of your natural father. I didn't hurt you. I didn't leave you. I didn't depart from you. I've always been there for you. I've always wanted to bless you. I've always had your back. I've never left you. I'm, I, I was there when you weren't paying me no attention. I was there when you wasn't even thinking about me. I was there from the beginning. Matter of fact, the only reason why you're here is because I created you to be here. And when I was able to shake that dust by the power of the Spirit of God for my life, the only way that I can explain it, and I'm telling you, I felt like I was in a slingshot. And God, shoom, let me go. And I, I'm telling you, in my spirit, the intimacy in His presence that I felt, the word looked different. I mean, worship was different. Praise was different. I'm not trying to be weird enough, but it was. I'm going to tell you what else. There. I was a different man to my wife because there was a side of me that was locked up that I couldn't even release to her because of bitterness and unforgiveness. But when I was able to shake the dust, my wife got a new husband. My wife got a new man because there were things in me that were being held back from her. 
but I was able to step into another level of manhood. Step into another level of being a husband. Step into another level in my walk and relationship with God. But it was only because I was willing to shake the dust. And I'm telling you today, I just stopped by to give you this little thought. That God is calling all of us to more. He has more for every person under the sound of my voice. He wants us to step into greater things and do greater works. The Bible declares it. But he says that you have to shake some stuff if you're going to step into the new season. Stand up on your feet in this place. Lift up your hands for a few moments. Open up your mouth. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.